invite you to take out your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9 this morning. Well, I couldn't have planned it any better. It's Mother's Day, and I, I couldn't have planned a, a sermon on kindness, uh, or planned it out any better than this, because Mother's Day and, and thinking about moms and kindness just go hand in hand, uh, and I remember vividly as a child and going outside and ramping my bike and just, you know, crashing viciously and limping up to the house, scrapes and just, you know, blood pouring out of the different, uh, you know, scrapes that I had and opening the door crying and mom being there greeting me with words of kindness like, I told you that was going to happen. So I just saw our moms are kind in that way by reminding us that we don't know everything and we need to be, uh, we need help. <laughs> and our moms give us that help, uh, even when we don't deserve it. <laughs> Soon after that, mom, I'm sure, was cleaning up, cleaning me up, putting on the band-aid that I wanted and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so in the story that we're going to uh, see today, we're going to read about Mephibosheth. Uh, we're in our series on uh, on the fruit of the spirit, and the fifth fruit is kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, patience, um, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Okay, uh, so that's where we are today, and we're going to look at this uh, uh, kindness in the South. Um, to we're raised with this from a very young age. We're raised with this this um, thought that. We need to be nice. We're, we're raised to be nice. Like our sweet tea, we're to be sweet and just have this disposition that's just sticky sweet. That's uh, to be nice to everyone, to just, just show this nice, niceness so that when people come across us, we make their teeth hurt. We're so nice. That's Amy's tea does that. It's so sweet because she's a Mississippi girl. It makes your teeth hurt. Um, that's how we're raised, to be sweet. And nice. Um, Flannery O'Connor wrote uh, many short stories about what it was like to live in the South. And she addressed this idea of niceness all the time. And uh, one of the things that you realize in her uh, her story is that the main characters often are sticky sweet with niceness. But when you peel back the layers just a little bit, and, and she does this, she peels back the veil so that you can see down into their hearts. What's revealed is that they are not truly nice, that they're not truly sweet, but they use their disposition as a cover over for their sin and the blackness of their heart. Um, and you can see that in a story like A Good Man is Hard to Find, where this grandmother, this sweet, typical southern grandmother is trying to just, she just wants everybody to be nice and she just wants to be loved and she manipulates everyone around her to try to get everyone around her to love her. And all of these things come out. And at the end of the story, um, you find out that her heart is full of blackness. And she's willing to give up God and everything just to have the appearance of goodness. Unfortunately, I think that's what we're like more uh, than what this story tells us about kindness. Niceness is not kindness. Having a sweet disposition is not Kindness, And we have to be careful as Southerners to mistake the two things. 
to rest on something that we call niceness and say, well, I'm nice, I'm nice, and nice, and not truly have the fruit of the Spirit, kindness. So let me read this story to you. I'm going to read all 13 verses, and uh, we'll pray and ask for the Lord to help us understand this word. So hear God's good and kind word to you today. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage to him. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons your, and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's ask for the Lord's help in understanding his word. Pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for giving us this good and kind word today. I pray, Father, that as we see the kindness of your servant, David, that we would understand it flows from a heart who has been shown kindness by you. Father, I pray that we would all see the way that you show your loving kindness through your covenant love and your covenant faithfulness to your people and then would respond in the same kind of kindness this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I want to see this actually in four ways today. Um, There's a lot we can learn from this passage. There's a whole lot we can learn. And the story of Mephibosheth is really amazing. It goes back a few chapters um, to the point that I told the children a few minutes ago when his his nurse picked him up to run away. Um, The reason why she was running away is because... um, uh, Saul's brother had been, um, uh, let's see, I'm sorry, Saul's, yeah, I believe it was Saul's brother was installed as king when Saul died, even though David was the rightful king. Saul's brother was killed by some followers of David, and so when that happens, and in the ancient Near East, whenever 
a king would take the throne, all of the competitors to the throne would be eliminated. So here's Mephibosheth, five years old. He's next in line to be king. His nurse picks him up and begins to run to to get away. Um, And what happens? She trips, she falls. His ankles are broken, and from that point on, he can't walk. That's where the story picks up. And here, here he is a few um, years later. David has accomplished great things. He has uh, vanquished all of his enemies. Uh, he has begun to rule and reign on this massive kingdom. This is the, kind of the, the golden age of uh, the beginning of the golden age of Israel, uh, Israel's prosperity. And David sits back and says, can I show kindness to anyone? And that's the first thing I want you to see. David, as the king, had the right to sit back and say, okay, come on, y'all serve me. I'm the baddest dude around. You know, I killed Goliath. I can kill any of you. I can take you out just like that. I can have my servants go and kill you. So, serve me. He could have sat on his throne. He could have just enjoyed everything that he had. But instead, he says, with everything that I've been given... Is there someone that I can show kindness to? This is what real kindness does. Kindness uh, isn't just like our niceness whenever we're pleasant to someone in the grocery store. No, that's just being Southern, okay? That's all. You're just, that's what it is. Instead, a kindness would be finding someone in the grocery store, going out of your way as you're shopping, finding someone that you can help. Because they need help. Maybe it's a mother in the grocery store, if you're not there with your children, who is struggling to keep all of her children uh, around the cart and not running off and all that. Maybe you can help a, a mother. or Maybe it's somebody that's elderly that, that, that needs help shopping. Something like that. That would be kindness. Going out of your way. Not just waiting for it to show up, but finding someone to be kind to. And that's what David does. He pursues Mephibosheth because he wants to show kindness. And now we're told why he did. He says, um, may I show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Jonathan, this part of the story goes back even farther. Jonathan was the son of Saul. And Jonathan knew something important. By faith, Jonathan understood that his dad was not the rightful king. Jonathan knew that David was the one that had been truly anointed by God to be king. And so here's what Jonathan did. Jonathan went to David and he said, David, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And I promise to you that I will serve you and I will look after you over everyone else. And it's an amazing thing that he did that because you understand what Jonathan was giving up. Jonathan was giving up the right to the crown, the right to rule, the right to all the riches and the glories of being the king of Israel. And because Jonathan trusted in God, because he had faith in God and God's provision, he said, I can give that up. And David, I want to show you kindness. But David also was shown kindness not just by Jonathan, but David understood something really important. That he had actually been shown kindness by God. Because you remember the story of where David was when God pursued and found David. David was uh, an insignificant runt of the litter 
nobody, the, the, the last son of this guy, Jesse, who was keeping the sheep, which, by the way, even shepherds in Israel were not looked very highly on. He was called the insignificant one. That's the way his brothers talked about him. And God went after David, pursued David, and made David the true king over Israel. So Jonathan understood the goodness of God to him. David understood the goodness of God. They had received so much kindness that it couldn't help but come out in kindness to others. Here's the point. True kindness actively looks for ways to show others love, mercy, and generosity. That's what true kindness is. It isn't passive, it's active. Secondly, kindness comforts. Kindness comforts. Mephibosheth, whenever he was brought into the king, he was afraid and rightly so. Like I said, he was was the one that uh, if the line continued through Saul, he was the one that was supposed to be king. He was the one that was supposed to be in charge. And the only reason why he would have been called before David is for David to finally dispatch with him, to be done with this competition. So he was afraid. You need to understand this. It wasn't just that Mephibosheth was, a, was, a, uh, was an active threat. Um, it wasn't that Mephibosheth was leading a revolt. But his being was um, offensive to the king. Who he was, because of his last name, was offensive to David. His being, his presence, his life was a threat. Because anyone else that didn't like David would have attempted to assassinate David and put Mephibosheth on the throne. And Mephibosheth, in his condition, would have been fairly easy to control. And David said, you know what, I'm not going to do what most kings would do. I'm going to show kindness to him. Mephibosheth is afraid. Now, when Mephibosheth comes in, he falls on his face. Um, in, in verse 5, um, or I'm sorry, verse 6, and, the, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, and paid homage. And actually, the word face there, um, it doesn't show up in my translation, but in the Hebrew it shows up. It says, he fell on his face, and on his face cried out. So he... He cried out to David and said, David, what do you want from me? What, you know, don't destroy me. Don't kill me. He begged and pleaded for his life. Mephibosheth knows the score. He knows what's supposed to happen. But then David says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Mephibosheth should be afraid, but David says, don't be Because David wants to comfort. And this is what kindness does. Kindness does not take the rights that you have and lord them over. David could have said, all right, I want to show you kindness. I want you to go as far away from me as you possibly can in the kingdom. I don't want want to ever see you again, but I'm going to give you some little things and just just be done with you. Just so everybody knows that I'm I'm an okay guy. But he doesn't do that. He says, do not be afraid. And David's comfort is costly. This is what kindness is. Kindness, it's not just comforting, but it's a costly comfort. Because again, if Mephibosheth is alive, David's life is constantly in danger. 
And David says, I'm willing to be in danger so that I can show kindness to Mephibosheth. He also would have been a constant reminder of all of the things that he had to go through in order to become king. Mephibosheth's grandfather, Saul, constantly was trying to kill David. That's not a pleasant thing to be reminded of. And he would have seen in Mephibosheth every time David tried to take his life, or Saul tried to take his life. And he was willing to say, for Jonathan's sake, for God's sake, I'm going to give you comfort. So you see that, um, first of all, kindness pursues. Secondly, kindness comforts. comforts. I would also say this. Um, when you've been shown kindness, and this is the third point, that kindness humbles. Kindness humbles. Uh, Mephibosheth um, could have come into David and said, David, I'm the rightful king. You have stolen the throne from Saul, but he didn't do that. Mephibosheth came in and fell on his face, and he was prostrate before before him. (laughs) He understood who he was before David before um, he was shown kindness. Um, He was a defeated prince. He was humiliated. Uh, And in this day, um, his disability would have meant he would have been... uh, even by those who were of lower class than Mephibosheth, would have made fun of them, would have disparaged him. They would have seen him as cursed by God. So he was already humiliated before he met David. But, but after he meets David, something happens. He's not just humiliated. It changes from humiliation to humble. And you see that in verse 8. I love it when the Bible does this. Um, because, and it's a reminder for the young people here, um, because Hastings and Mills, John Barley, Garrett, Colton, Quentin, Caleb, okay, um, you boys especially, y'all are constantly told that in order to succeed in life, you have to have good self-esteem, that you have to think really good things about yourself. Even if those things aren't true, You have to at least present to the world around you that you have everything together, that everything is okay, that you're strong, and that there's no weakness inside of you at all. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because real strength is not self-esteem. It's not saying and lying to everyone like you have everything together. Real esteem is Christ's esteem and what the value you get from Christ It's not that I'm good, I'm strong, I'm better, I'm smarter, uh, I'm more athletic or any of those things. um, Because that might be true for a little while, but you're always going to meet somebody that's bigger, better, stronger, faster, smarter, more talented, more gifted, more eloquent than you are. It always is going to take place. But in verse 8, after Mephibosheth meets David and receives David's kindness, this is what he says about himself. He says, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? And we look at that in the modern world would say, well, Mephibosheth, no, you're not a dog. You're not a dead And by the way, that's the worst thing you could say about someone. A dead dog. And here Mephibosheth says, I am compared to you, David. I am a dead dog. 
And this is beautiful because this is what kindness does. This is what the kindness of God does. It allows for Mephibosheth to take stock of who he is and say, no, I really am like that. I have no real intrinsic value to you, David. Because he understands that he can't do anything to repay David for his kindness. This is the, this is the point of this. Kindness gives us humility. It makes us humble. But here's what kindness does. David shows Mephibosheth kindness. Notice here, David doesn't say, oh, you're not a dead dog. But he says, you know what? You as a dead dog are going to be treated like a son of the king. Because kindness humbles us, but it also raises us up. The point is this. You cannot be raised up until you realize how low you are. And here's what the Bible says about all of us. We are all dead dogs before God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have turned away. All have turned aside. None of us are seeking for God. We are all murderers. We're told the venom of asps is on our lips. So we're like snake. We have snake mouths. Okay. We shed blood, we seek to shed blood, and God pursues to show kindness. And he says, you're not going to be a dead dog any longer. I'm going to raise you up, and you're going to be treated like a king. That's an amazing thing about kindness. It humbles, but it also raises up. Notice he says, um, um, he's, uh, he says you're going to eat at my table, um, you're going to be with me. You're going to be uh, treated like a king. And, he, and David doesn't go to Ziba and say, Ziba, look, I know that Mephibosheth really isn't all that great. I know, you know, he's got this disability thing. We're going to have to, we're going to work with that. We're going to just see what we can do with that. David says, I don't care what his legs are like. I'm going to show him kindness. He's going to eat with me every single day. He's going to be welcome to my table and I'm going to provide for him even though he can't provide for himself. Um, Final thing here that kindness is free. Kindness is free. We're told in the world that in order for you to get ahead in life you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That you have to do the work. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. Because you can't do it. Over and over and over, you and I should see ourselves like Mephibosheth. We are traitors to the king. We are disabled, not able to make ourselves right with God. So the reality is, is that all of us are disabled. There's not a one of us who has any ability to do anything for ourselves. That's one reason why we shouldn't look down on those with disability, but actually should pursue them and love them because all of us are disabled. But the the great thing about kindness is that kindness does not expect for you to raise yourself up. Mephibosheth didn't have to raise himself, didn't have to try to raise himself to the level of David and the kingship because David had raised him to that place. Um, it's freeing also because later on, and I just, I wasn't, well, I, I want to talk about this um, briefly. In chapter 19, something amazing happens. Um, David's son Absalom comes up and tries to take the throne from David. David, um, David flees Jerusalem and is essentially going to let Absalom 
He doesn't want to kill his son, as you can understand. So he lets, lets Absalom have uh, the throne. Eventually, Absalom is killed, and, and uh, there are all these people that are following Absalom. Um, what ends up happening is Mephibosheth's servant, Ziba, lies to David and tells David that Mephibosheth is trying to take the crown. So David, while he's away, um, he hears about this. Ziba has lied about Mephibosheth. And so David eventually comes back to Jerusalem. And as he's coming back in, there are all these people that are coming and they're begging for mercy. And David amazingly gives them mercy. He shows them mercy. Uh, In chapter 19, verses uh, 24 through 30, this is what happens. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. Remember, David at this point thinks Mephibosheth has tried to take uh, the crown from him. He had neither taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king had departed until the day he came back in safety. The point of that is he was in mourning because of his king. Mephibosheth loved David. And when David had to run and flee... Because Mephibosheth couldn't run, Mephibosheth was in mourning for David. In verse 25, And he came to Jerusalem to meet the king, and the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me, for your servant said to him, that Ziba, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go with the king, for your servant is lame, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God, Do therefore whatever seems good to you. For all my father's house were but men doomed to death before my lord the king, but you set your servant among those who eat at your table. What further right have I then to cry to the king? And the king said to him, Why speak any more of your affairs? I have decided you and Ziba shall divide the land. And Mephibosheth said to the king, Oh, let him take it all, since my lord the king has come safely home. Mephibosheth had been enriched by David, and he didn't want any of those riches. Mephibosheth had been lied about by this servant, by this slave. Mephibosheth didn't care about that. What are you like when someone lies about you and disparages you and you hear about that? Do you like that? No. (laughs) Here's Mephibosheth, who has been charged with treason because of a lie. And he says, I don't care. And David says, okay, I'm going to divide your land between this man that lied about you, this servant, and you. And Mephibosheth says, I don't want the land, David. All I want is you as my king. You see how freeing that is? Mephibosheth had all he needed because he had the love of the king. Kindness, David's kindness to Mephibosheth allowed him to give up all of his riches, to give up all of his status, to give everything up. He says, I have you. That's all I need. When we are shown kindness by other people, we can let our guard down and we can be vulnerable. The point is this. Can you be vulnerable with other people? Can you be vulnerable with the people that are sitting next to you this morning? Can you be vulnerable with your family or do you put your guard up? Do you you have to defend yourself and feel like you need uh, need to make your point and show how strong and powerful you are? Can you be vulnerable? You only can if you've been shown kindness. Have you met the king? Has he shown you his kindness? I want to conclude uh, by pointing out something. Um, In this passage, there's this beautiful word that's used, and it's the word kindness. Um, 
this word is almost exclusively used to talk about Yahweh, to talk about God. It's 248 times in the Old Testament. And again, almost the majority of times it's used to talk about God. And it's this word that I've used, and I, I want you to commit it to your heart. Um, I, I just challenge you, whenever I say this word, from this day forward, I want you to remember this word because it's going to show up all the time whenever I talk about it. It's the word hesed. Hesed. And it's a word that translators really don't know how to translate. And so through the various Bible translations that we have, you'll see all of these different words uh, that are used for it. But, but in the Bible, um, in your translation, it could be something like God's loving kindness, God's loyalty, God's steadfastness. And, tr- and translators, they don't know what to make of this word. And it's the same word that's used here that's translated kindness in verse 9-1, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show hesed for Jonathan's sake? This is what hesed is. This is, this is a, a, a definition that I keep up here to remind me every time I preach. And you can come up and see it. It's from Paul Miller. He says, hesed is love one way. It's one way love. Love without an exit strategy. In Hesed love, you bind yourself to the object of your love no matter what the response is. This is the love that God shows to his people, covenantal, loyal love. And he says, God says, I'm going to show you my Hesed, my covenantal loyalty. I'm going to love you even when you do not love me back. I'm going, to love, I'm going to love you when you fail me miserably. When you don't show kindness to your spouse, I'm going to love you. When you don't show kindness to your kids, I'm going to love you. When you fail me in a million different ways this week, God says, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to pursue you with my kindness constantly. That's the way that God loves his people. And that's the way God's people respond in love to others, but you can't love with a one-way love unless you've been loved that way. Have you experienced the one-way Hesed love of God that says, "Come to me," because there's nothing you have done or will do that will make me turn my back on you. The story of David and Mephibosheth is the story of God's one-way love for his people. It's the story of God saying, who can I show my kindness to? Not people that deserve it. Not people at Faith Presbyterian Church at 1157 on a Sunday morning. Because He says, it's not because you're good, but because I'm kind to you. Have you received Yahweh's Hesed love this morning? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for showing us your kindness through examples like David and Mephibosheth, but mostly by showing us your kindness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I pray that all of us would be found in him today, that we would know of your one-way love for us, that you will not leave us or forsake us, but you will constantly show your kindness to your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.